Hello and welcome to the Amateur Auth tonight. My name is Frances Duncan. I'm an author and the founder of the Jane Austen Society of New Zealand. My co-host is my friend Chan. Good afternoon. And today we're discussing Chapter 41 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. In Chapter 41, Mr. Crawford turns up in Portsmouth. He is very polite to Mrs. Price and gives Fanny some space while she's embarrassed then convinces Fanny and Susan to go for a walk with him. They run into Fanny's father. Fanny is mortified, but her father behaves reasonably well. Convinces Mr. Crawford to go to the dockyards. They sit down for a while, and Mr. Crawford talks about his home at Everingham and then Mansfield Park. But Susan is very quick-witted in there the entire time, so he cannot flirt with Fanny. And when he returns them back to their house, he declines Mr. Price's invitation to stay for dinner, and Fanny is very grateful. So relate to that sense of mortification. As a young person anyway, I think one can often be highly mortified by one's parents at the best of times. One of my sisters, who was colder than the rest of us, used to walk several paces either in front or behind the rest of us. She's really wishy wasn't there. But she'd even more wished that she wasn't going to be mortified in front of him, even though she didn't like him. <laughs> She's been in Portsmouth for four weeks at this point, which means we just skipped three weeks. We skipped several years and then we slowed down and now we've kind of speeding up again. Rebecca goes to open the door when there's a knock. Susan and Fanny are about to go upstairs, but they realise that they can't avoid whoever the visitor is because Rebecca's very alert at going to the door because it's a duty which always interested her beyond any other. Forget about cooking dinner or doing any cleaning. I'm going to open the door, particularly if there might be a personable young man on the other side of it. Presumably she'll get tips and it means she doesn't have to do any work. It was a voice that Fanny was just turning pale about when Mr. Crawford walked into the room. She recognises his voice, though. Mm -hmm. She introduces him as William's friend, and he wisely and kindly kept his eyes away to give her time to recover because she's so embarrassed to have him there. And he makes good friends with her mother, which was making his manner perfect. Never thought Fanny would think that about Mr. Crawford. He actually comes across very well in this chapter. I think more than any, this chapter is the one chapter where you feel that if he'd had time to continue along this way, continue to woo Fanny, he could have worn her down. Although I know you say worn her down. Worn her objectives away, maybe that's a better way. He is trying Because a lot of people would have gone, this is your family, I'm out of here. And he doesn't do that. (laughs) But Fanny feels shame for the home in which he found her. She's glad that her father isn't there. She would have been yet more ashamed of him than all the rest. Because when he's at home, he behaves so roughly in comparison to what she's used to. She was tolerably able to be his eye after a period of time and... He starts talking to her directly and says that he's seen Mary. He hasn't seen Edmund, but Edmund is in town. And Edmund is due to have dinner with the Frasers. So Fanny thinks that by this time it is all settled, meaning Edmund's gone to have dinner at the Frasers where Mary is living at the moment. Therefore, he would have proposed to her be accepted and now they are engaged. 
But Mr. Crawford wants to get Fanny alone and have an actual conversation with her, so tries to persuade them to go for a walk. Mrs. Price, it appeared, scarcely ever stirred out of doors, which is very like Lady Bertram. <laughs> Again, showing the comparison. family resemblance. <laughs> but then it is pain upon pain, confusion upon confusion, when they run into her father. And there's a beautiful quote. Jane Austen says, I here. I believe there is scarcely a young lady in the United Kingdoms who would not rather put up with the misfortune of being sought by a clever, agreeable man than have him driven away by the vulgarity of her nearest relations. That is so spot on. And it's very rare that Jane Austen uses I. It did make me think a little bit about the Bennets in Pride and Prejudice. Lizzie would rather have repelled Darcy than have him turned off by her family. Absolutely. Mr. Price asks Mr. Crawford to go to the dockyards with him, assuming that, of course, if you come to Portsmouth, you want to see the dockyards. It's the most important thing. <laughs> Mr. Crawford's like, I really, I really don't want to, but it's important to you, so I'm going to go. But also, the girls still have to go to the shops. We can't go straight there because Mr. Price is just going to walk off without them. Several times he tries to walk off without them. Not only is he going to not let them go to the shops, he leaves them at the crossing. Portsmouth is my old stomping ground. When I was a teenager, myself and two friends would quite often go to Portsmouth, say when we possibly should have been at school. We'd go and ogle the sailors at HMS Victory in the dockyard there. That's the appropriate pastime for a teen girl. Or soldiers, if they happen to be soldiers. We must remember Lydia Bennett. Fanny could so little bear to excite impatience that they don't even need to wait for her when she's going shopping. She's in and out. They walk to the dockyard and eventually Mr. Price finds a brother lounger (laughs) who's much more interesting than Mr. Crawford. So Mr. Crawford is happy to be left with the two girls, except that he could have wished Susan away. She's totally different from Lady Bertram. All eyes and ears. There was no introducing the main point before her. He cannot flirt with or pressure Fanny into trying to marry him. Not with Susan there. I actually had this sudden thought that, you know, once Susan grew up, she could tame him. Mansfield revisited where Susan ends up marrying Tom. Mr. Crawford turns back up and I remember Mary saying to her, look, my brother's in love with you, but we can both see that you and Tom are meant for each other. So he's going to bow out. Mr. Crawford talks about his estate and all the good things he's been doing on his estate. It was pleasing to hear him speak so properly. He'd been acting as he ought to do. The friend of the poor and oppressed. But then he ruins it and frightens her off by his adding a something too pointed of his hoping soon to have an assistant in his charity. But she was willing to allow he might have more good qualities than she had been wont to suppose. This reminds me of when he first starts flirting with Fanny. He manages to make himself agreeable. And it's not until she suddenly realises that he's serious that she draws back into herself. But yeah, you're right. She does seem to be getting more comfortable with it here. And he is really trying. He is making substantial effort. And I think really now I'm reading it again. It's recognising the waste of a good character. Change is hard, though. It is very hard, and particularly when you have temptation thrust at you, which obviously is what happens in the end. 
and he's never had to try to do anything before in his life. It is a shame and it is a waste, but it's also very understandable and it does make him a believable character. Yes. Had he suddenly turned round and been a very good boy, it might be a little bit unbelievable. On the walk back to the house, Mr Crawford manages to get Fanny alone for a moment to tell her that the sole purpose of his visit was to see her. He could not endure a longer total separation. And she's sorry for this, but she does still think that he's improved. He was much more gentle, obliging, and attentive to other people's feelings than he had ever been at Mansfield. She still wishes he had only come for the one day, though. She worries that he's going to turn back up again. And as he walks them home, Fanny has a thrill of horror. Several times she's been talking about horror in relation to Portsmouth when her father invites Mr. Crawford for dinner. And then she is in a state of actual felicity from escaping so horrible and evil of him witnessing what their home life is actually like when he says, I'm so sorry, I'm engaged already. She's mortified by their behaviour when she's on her own. But to have someone more genteel, not that she necessarily is seeking her approval, but you don't want to see your own family's dirty washing or dirty bad behaviours. You would be totally mortified. So she's been gone for four weeks, but he's still thinking of her. And he's still trying to do things that he thinks that she would appreciate. But he's never really thought about before. He's left it in the hands of his agent, presumably. He's met his cottages that he didn't know existed. (laughs) You know, this lovely little line, of course he's got cottages. Who the hell's paying his rents? That is our summary of Chapter 41 of Mansfield Park by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me, but if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. Here's merch of... The Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa, New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice, heavily Pride-focused merch, too. It's on Redbubble, and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!